Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Beast Tactical Podcast, where we try to get under the bonnet of all things tactical and statistical at Brentford. I'm David Anderson, your host for today, and to round up our playoff final previews, I'm delighted to welcome back Jordan. Uh, Jordan, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, very well, thanks. I've got my uh, my Watford-Brentford half-and-half scarf on here. Uh, looking <laughs> forward to kind of getting back into this uh, this Brentford talk. I feel like I've been talking more Brentford than Watford recently, but yeah, pleased to be here. Yeah, you've been propping up the Beast Tactical Podcast for a while now, and... Um, to be honest, people are sick to the death of me and they're thinking, they're asking, demanding when you're taking over. But um, for <laughs> now, we'll just keep you on the sidelines for now. But yeah, it's been great to have you on. And um, yeah, awesome to get you back and chat Brentford um, for what probably is the last time this season. Um, <clears throat> I thought it might have been the last time last time. Right? <laughs> last time last time. Um, but we're here again, Brentford. Really, they they kind of demolished Bournemouth in the end. Uh, there's no other way to describe it. Bournemouth completely capitulated and uh, lost from a really commanding position, and Brentford made their way to the final. But um, that's what we're here to discuss. We're, dis- we're here to discuss the final. I think I had a good chat with Ben Church, a brilliant chat with him a couple of days ago, um, just focusing on Swansea. We're gonna we're gonna recap a few of those bits um, and just pull out some of the interesting stuff that we spoke about, and then move on to Brentford. A bit more scrutiny on like some maybe some team selection and decisions to make there but um, before we do I think we w- it'd be good to round off the um, the Bournemouth match that second match because we we previewed it, uh, previewed it, uh, it at length um, it was uh, it was a tie that it was kind of on a knife edge the tie and um, I think um, other than them completely collapsing and uh, letting it go there was just there were talking points galore we won't go through yeah. them all but um, it'd be good to just round that off um, what <laughs> other than the obvious Maybe that's the way we go, but what what stood out for you in that match and thinking about our our previews as well? I think it just kind of came into fruition what we're talking about. I think I don't think a two legged tie ever really favoured favoured Bournemouth at all um, in that one. I, I think we always kind of felt like if if Bournemouth are going to win the game, it's going to be that kind of individual performances, that strength from the wing. It wasn't so much a coherent game plan they consistently put out like say Brentford. So I think there was always the the issue there of them kind of putting that performance out there and being able to continue it across those two legs they just simply weren't able to were they that second game it was just a completely different one and Brentford kind of came through and showed what they can do so yeah I think it was always in your favour even at one even at one nil down it still felt like Brentford were quite clearly favourites to me um, and, and yeah we got to see the kind of rewards of that and I think kind of what we touched on in the previews to them, to them games did eventually come out it just took a little bit longer than we thought uh, in regards to Brentford specifically, but 
yeah, I'm, I'm pleased. Obviously, Brentford went through. That's what I wanted. But um, yeah, I just think Bournemouth struggled in that second leg, and defensively, they just they just weren't able to to kind of ride their luck a little bit. They had been earlier on, and it, it kind of collapsed for them. From because these matches now are getting so tense, and there's so much on them, it's it's difficult to not flip-flop your opinions on that that last match and just sort of stick to that and you're trying to look at this as like a body of a season of work and like what what um you're trying to pick out um sort of interesting facets of teams and the root their, their true ability from like a longer stretch of games but when I watched um, Bournemouth defending that first match I was, I was impressed by how well they defended and I thought it actually it negatively impacted my opinion on what they do in the second I thought they'd be actually much better but Really, for them to put up two good or better defensive performances in a row was asking a lot of that team. And then for Woodgate to perform two matches in a row as well is also asking a lot again. Um, It was set up, wasn't it? Because, I mean, I feel like Bournemouth, a bit of a cliche, but they really did defend from the front in that that first leg because they were so offensive mm. down those sides. They were able to kind of rush things for Brentford and make it a little bit difficult for you to build up attacks. But I think going into that game 1-0 up, it, it, they were never going to approach it in the same with with the same intent, and I just don't think they're a, a good defensive team when they are actually sitting off the ball and trying to contain a little bit. I just don't think that's what they're good at, um, especially especially against a team like Brentford. You don't want to give you guys the ball and allow you to build up and kind of probe a little bit. That's not what you want. You want Brentford to be a little bit rushed and have to improvise a little bit. So I think while it's it, I can understand why they did it. It is a very natural thing to do, especially kind of even if you have different a different idea. Once you get onto the pitch, it's very difficult to kind of take that mentality out of the players and, and not allow them to think about the game as being one 0 Because I think to win that game, they had to really go there to actually kind of take it to you in that second leg. But going away from home, it's just so hard to get them to do that. And I think we kind of touched on that was there was a, a slight sign of that just by the kind of way they they kind of saw out that first leg with a little bit of time wasting in the corners, kind of going mm. into that final few minutes. And you kind of had the idea, okay, this team's actually thinking about, trying to, they think this win here at home is very vital and they're, they're probably going to be going into the game with a similar mentality. And we've seen that in two-legged football, uh, two-legged matches for you know, a number of years. It's very difficult to, to avoid that previous score. And it obviously is relevant. Um, there are occasions where you have to kind of go into that second leg and be a little bit more conservative. You have that lead, you don't want to be stupid and give it away. But I think when you're a team like Bournemouth, You've got to look at what gave you that win in the first place and how you didn't see how you avoided conceding goals. And I think if you're trying to be objective, then they really had to approach that second one differently. And it, it didn't work for them because we can't expect that Brentford would be able to to pull them apart a little bit. Yeah, as as much as well as you're trying to be tactically aware and just make a good tactical plan, it's also the emotional side of it, like not just technical, like the emotional bit of maintaining your levels, like concentration at all times. Um, good discipline like keeping a lid on your emotions as well um i think it's numbing your strengths too isn't it and yeah i, I don't think it's just it's just simply not Bournemouth's strength just, their squad's just not built to play in that manner um i think they've got i think they're a front foot team i don't think they i don't think they've played well being that being the less kind of dominant in the game i don't think that's their that's not their approach they should be taking or not one that benefits them very often um, and it's it's kind of strange too because Woodgate has a little bit of a reputation for kind of doing that to teams, but 
Um, I think when you have that quality of player in forward areas and you ask them to kind of shift into a, a more defensive mentality, it, it's difficult to get the most out of them. And sometimes you just got to play your play your best players and play them in the, the positions that suit them best and, and try and get the most out of them. But it makes it difficult when you play in that manner to kind of adapt uh, and play in a variety of with a variety of approaches. And playoff football obviously makes it a, a much different occasion to what it would be in a normal kind of league fixture where it's just a one-off game. Um, mm. So I think that's what we're kind of saying too. I think over the two legs, it it does favour the kind of the more the more drilled coach team, uh, the team that kind of often shows their their game plan and, and maybe has a little bit more of a a thought towards planning against the opposition as, as Brentford do. I, th- I think that just kind of it all showed up in that second leg for me. Yeah, it was ruthlessly exposed, wasn't it? Like the, technically, I, I thought Bournemouth were okay. I mean. That first five minutes, if you're thinking about a position of like stability, and they they were two goals up after the first five minutes to to collapse in the way they did, um, showed that there was all sorts wrong. And I, I was dubious about this coaching setup of what's going on there and the focus and maybe too many voices or or lack of maybe self awareness. But to 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 collapse from that position of being two 0 up and then just individual moments I, I don't know if there was a lack of experience on the field I don't know if they miss Cook a lot but some of Mepham's decisions like so early on in the game I mean yeah that was just it was incredible to see um and Bermo as well like if, if you're going to take that bad touch and he's he's just nicked it off your toes charge back with him like just challenge I mean to pull off a little slap tackle and in like the 28th minute of a match last man is just completely reckless like I don't think that happens if Cook's on the pitch um the flow of it wasn't right like some of the you could see from um the penalty the way Begovic reacted it was just all it it wasn't right there wasn't the lid wasn't on emotions there and it didn't look like a team that were drilled and focused and knew how to get from start to finish to take this over the line it felt like it was going to happen to them instead of them controlling that yeah it didn't look like there's any confidence in them seeing out that game in that manner. That's, I think that's what I'm talking about too. When you want to play to your strengths, it, so much of so much of the game, especially in the playoffs and these sorts of high pressure situations, giving your confidence to your players and making them feel comfortable is kind of almost the most important thing. And you, you don't want to necessarily kind of go over the top attacking and concede and, and, and go down that route. But at the same time, I just think momentum and, and confidence is so key to Bournemouth in those forward areas. If you take that out of the team, they look a shell of themselves and you don't really get much reward for it because I don't think they're, they're particularly good defending in that way, as, as we said, especially against the likes of Brentford. So it was kind of, it was a bit of a recipe for disaster, really. I think that was almost the worst case situation. I think if they'd gone into that game at nil nil, then they kind of have that onus on them to attack. I think they might have had more more luck, but at the same time, it's very difficult to convince anyone or, or to kind of make the argument that they'd have been better off drawing the first game than winning it. But I do think that, that there are factors that come into play off the back of that which don't favour them. Yeah, it's it's complete disappointment for them. Um, <clears throat> they've got an expensive squad. They've got some players that won't want to play in the championship for a second season or just will insist not to. Um, they'll be probably it's disaster picked off. For them. It is complete disaster because... They've, um, there's almost an element of complacency about it. It feels like um, the Woodgate appointment, the Tinder one beforehand, like it was almost as if they thought the autopilot was good enough that they didn't need to do anything drastic to change it. And yeah. I don't know, there, there wasn't enough. But it's it's really, really, um, uh, it's, it's going to test them. I don't, I don't think they're going to come out of this well unless they, unless they make a good appointment and um, 
and yeah I, I don't know what they do in terms of recruitment as well I think there's some work that's going to be need to be done there um but that's all the negative side of things the positives is Brentford coming out of it just completely smelling of roses I think Frank had probably one of his best days um he's had a few of them over the, they're, they're becoming quite regular now but I think everything that he did went well on um on that day like from just the geeing up of the crowd like the dramatic stuff with the watch um focusing the referee's attention on like time wasting um his team selection as well like Mbemo took a lot of stick for his big miss in the first match but but just getting him right up and saying this is your time to right the wrong you're going to lead the line with Tony him buzzing around uh, Mepham and and testing him pressing wise a little bit more effective than force just that little explosive standing start stuff that he's just a little bit sharper it was all everything went really well for me and then the big one I think actually which was probably quite key is switching Marcondes out for Fosu that was something we kind of spoke about Mm -hmm. a little bit Marcondes a little bit more understanding movement wise of like what it's like to be a striker or a forward and just break beyond like the 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 furthest attacking line and he got a quality assist for force to um uh, to score the the decisive goal in the end it was it just everything he did came kind of worked out well and you saw that this is this is a deep thinker like he he's got his yeah. ideas he's he's principled he's stubborn and it probably looks like he should change quicker sometimes but when it comes together it comes together well and you just see that he's miles ahead of someone like a Woodgate or or someone of a oh, similar sure. similar fold. Yeah, and I think it was I mean really promising. It was exactly what we talked about. I mean, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to pat ourselves on the back, but it it is it's worth <laughs> identifying it, the fact that no some of the things we were talking about which we really felt like needed to change. We saw those changes and there's some positive changes we 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 were talking about quite extensively how that front two against Bournemouth in the first leg, that they weren't able to really pull Bournemouth around. And Bournemouth don't want they don't them two centre backs don't want to defend in space. I know Cook was out and Leppin was in, but same same applies to him too. You don't want them defending in space. You want to isolate them. You want to pull them out of position. Uh, and and Force and Tony don't really have that. They don't really have that about. They're not going to be stretching defences in the same manner. But you put Embuemo in there. He's someone that's going to be dragging players out of position. He's going to be lively. He's going to be cutting. He's going to be crossing lanes. You make just making it difficult. And I think that really did change uh, change how Bournemouth were able to defend. Um, and again, we talked about Fossey not being able to kind of break the break the, those kind of lines and make those runs a little bit more centrally or, or kind of t- over overlap those forwards almost to get into the box and just give the defence something else to think about. So making those changes is really positive and we saw from very early on the kind of rewards of doing so. But it's, it's being open-minded and, and we talked about some stubbornness but I think since that change in shape we've started to see a little bit more variety and I think when it comes to this point of the season, you have to adapt or die. If you need to change things, you have to do it quick. And you, you, there's not the next game to worry about. You've got to do it now and try things. And we're seeing that from Frank, so that's positive. And it also gives you some some hope kind of going into this next game too. Whilst things were very good, there's still the opportunity or the option to, to change things even more and, and try and find a way to to beat this Swansea side. So Frank's next task was to bring the squad back down to earth after like such a high and like, convince them that you've just won another random um, normal game of football and there's another one to win like the job's nowhere near done um how does he do that like that's quite uh that's quite a hard task I think you've just got to say that you're not in the Premier League yet you've you've got so much more to do here guys um and just basically keeping a lid on all the emotions yeah I mean I guess it depends on the makeup of the squad it's hard to tell kind of what their mindset is in some ways if they're quite a professional group they might be kind of already feeling that anyway but I, I think it does. It, I think those sorts of those sorts of results do kind of 
They do spur you on. And I, I think it's definitely a positive to come out of it like that. I mean, obviously, I've been in a similar situation, being a Watford fan, and kind of after that Leicester game, you felt where we came back and won it in the last minute, you felt like it was almost written in the stars, like it couldn't not happen that we won the final after that game. Um, and then you kind of go into that final, you had the complete opposite kind of performance, just horrible, cagey, dead atmosphere um, kind of game. It was just a horrible experience. And I think that was that was maybe an occasion where we were affected by the kind of drama of our win there so maybe there's an element of of kind of trying to keep a lid on things and allowing and making sure they're in the right right frame of mind um but kind of, i think also too i think the experience of last season i know there's a few new players in there too but i think the experience of last season will also play a part where they'll be aware enough you'd think they'd be aware enough that there's so much more to be done and ultimately none of none of the stuff beforehand matters if they lose this game um, so I, I think the the occasion itself will be enough of a reminder of how important it is. Yeah, there's a lot to draw on. Um, I, I think they'd have been using that all year. Just come on, guys, we've got to go one step further. Um, I think it's also good to have a few fresh faces in there that don't have that pain of of the of the last one too. I think that's that's also important because that hangover can play a part if you don't make some changes. But I think just a few changes, a few newcomers that don't have that negative experience can can kind of eliminate a lot of that a lot of the nerves that kind of come from that because you don't have that same feeling you have a little bit of variation there so I think you've got a good balance I think things are set up quite nicely for you to be pretty prepared for this one yeah that's um that's moving on nicely to the next point I think um Frank what he'd do after them sort of calming everyone down and also you're right yeah using someone like Tony such a prominent figure who's got no who's got no memory of the burn last year like it's a completely fresh face and so effective and so confident as well um, just leaning on him a little bit maybe just to, to drive through but from the Swansea perspective I, I think they'll be watching them um, like all the analysts and Frank will be watching their games that have watched back the Barnsley match the matches the two legs over Barnsley um, that have again watched the matches that we played against Swansea earlier in the season they might watch the last couple of their games as well in this new shape there's so much stuff to watch um, with them Um but I, I don't know how much more you're learning about them. That's the thing. I think there's there has been a change in shape, and um, I spoke to Ben as I referenced out in the outset. And if you haven't listened to that, you can still listen to that. It might be good to listen to that before this, or it, it doesn't really matter. It's it's um, it's completely prefer- uh, your own preference. But um, he spoke a lot about um, uh, how they had to change, how they were heading down a bit of a dead end, and this this team needed a bit of a refresh, or they were going to get pipped and. The change again happened at the same time. Such such similarities with Brentford. I think Brentford was stalling. It was such a grueling season, and um, it was people were getting a handle on teams. It, well, there wasn't much unknowns going around. You could see you could sort of see how teams were playing. There weren't many hiding places. And um, Swansea and Cooper did change a little bit up. They moved to a little back four four three three. Got a little bit more support up into the forward line. Um, managed to get Routledge into the team for a bit. We spoke a little bit about some of these other attacking midfielders that weren't getting a look in. Um, took a little bit of basically they just this five-three-two uh, they were playing just was just so obvious in its movement. I mean, it was just the only movement or movement out of position was just the wing backs, like up and down. Everyone else was quite static, and it became easy to mark out. Um, and, and Ben mentioned that he said, I mean, I think he pivoted on a Birmingham match where he, they were just marked out of the game by Birmingham, and he thought, gosh, if we can't do anything against Birmingham, then we're going down. A dark place here and they they did change and they got a little bit better I think um, 
Uh, goals have improved, I think, slightly in the period that they've moved to this shape. I think goals for... Um, I, I don't know. There's it's it's hard to slice it with them. I think they are a lot of principles are still the same. Like even if they are playing four three three, they they still sit quite deep. I think um, it's just maybe taking a little bit of responsibility away from that th- back three sort of sitting so deep in front of their own goal. They're just a little bit more advanced, but again, not not that much advanced. It's uh, uh, probably it's a good time to like start talking about our chat a little bit. Is there anything um, that stood out for you that we we chatted about with Ben? Well, I think I think you guys covered the the kind of reasons behind the change in shape pretty well, and it's something we discussed previously too in, in regards to the some of the five at the back or a three five two, whatever the system is in general. It's it's difficult. You can kind of get stuck down dead ends, and if you're not confident in progressing that ball into midfield or from them centre backs, it can become really dire. And I think Swansea were in that situation for quite a long time. Um, they just were able to kind of capitalise on some pretty, pretty slim chances and able to take the lead and hang on to it, which which can get you by for a while. But if you're not overachieving as, as they were for so long, it, it starts to dry up. And I think they kind of saw that towards the tail end of the season. I think changing to that four three three just gave them gave them a few more options and a few more routes forward. Um, I think they're quite decent defensively, but as you say that that ethos and that that approach continues regardless of shape. They're still. So the team will look to sit back a little bit and contain some more. But I think when they do get the ball, if they are going to play direct, and they, they, they quite often go quite early as well to that front two or, or front three, uh, if they are playing in that manner, they've got a, little, a few more bodies forward and it just allows them to kind of progress a little bit quicker. Um, but I still don't look at them. They're still they're by no means an attacking team. It's not what they do. Even though they've changed shape, they're still a, a very similar team in the way they operate. Um, they just kind of have their players in a few more advanced positions now and just give them the opportunity to get in the box a little bit more and, and maybe support AU a little bit more too. Um, AU and Lowe are quite isolated for a lot of the season as well. Um, so there's maybe a little bit more balance there, but it, it's not a ton different in terms of takeaways and, and how you're looking to beat them. You're still kind of going into it the same mentality yourselves you're going to want to pull them around and, and try and create some space because they are quite happy to sit off the ball and I think you two covered that that pretty well throughout that whole podcast really yeah the few other bits uh, I think those yeah pivotal points I, I think a couple of other bits that stood out to me I think um it was almost like um Ben was without saying it sort of embarrassed to be coming to this party like there was a bit of a um, I tried to get out of him whether he's sort of undervalued, whether defending is sort of undervalued, or maybe whether it's looked like being a defensive first team is looked badly upon. And he was right about like the context of that; everything needs context. But there was a slight sense of coming to a party they weren't invited invited to. And um, <laughs> but I think they'll love that. Like I think as a team, they 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 thrive on this. It's got them this far, and it's great. Um, there was the chat about how good they were defensively. I think a lot of people were saying you're you're a defensive team, you're okay, but you're actually not that good at it. Like what? For someone who defends this much, a team that spends this much out of the ball, you just can see the shitload of shots. Like you're, you're not actually really doing anything. You're just holding players back, and maybe the quality yeah. of these shots aren't being registered, and like models miss out probably how how good these efforts are because there's just so many players around the ball between the ball and goal, and sometimes that can get lost depending on where you're looking. Yeah. But it was um, funny. He was talking about like breaking defensive records, and it was great that he picked uh, picked up this point and he obviously would because he's watching them in detail but there was 
All I kept thinking about watching them all year was where are the, where are the screamers? Like where are the miss kicks? Where are the, where's the misfortune? Like where's the goalkeeper errors? There was nothing, any, anything really standing out. They were just going through games, defending expertly, game after game after game. And it was like, this has to change soon. And then it, in yeah. the end, it did. It was this Huddlesfield match and they were just absolutely battered from like a couple of worldies from the edge of the box. Like just, it, I think they lost 4-1 and it preceded a, an event of like them collapsing game after game. And it kind of yeah. you thought this is this is a bit more like it now. There's no, they're not, they're good, and they're a good defensive team, and they have good individuals, but they're not that good, and they're conceding a lot of territory. So, I think they were the plan they had was good. I mean, it got them, it got them like in touch with the top of the table for a long part of the season. But as soon as teams like even Birmingham are starting to out attack them and and generate more offensively, you've got to be concerned and. You can sit it through that, or you can do something like Cooper and just tweak it slightly and just give you a little bit more impetus. Like, there's too many. Basically, we said it. Like, there were at times there were like five players just sort of sat around their box, just defending all the time, like their back line. That's not even including the three midfielders that just sit in front as well and rarely get forward. So you're looking at leaving a lot of attacking impetus just down to to low. And are you? And it's not probably enough. Like, they're good players, but. To leave them to to sort of get through the individual moments on their own and 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 just win you games is um it's a lot of burden on their shoulders. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess also what's quite interesting, he, he spoke at length about the change and why he thought it was and how that why they needed to do it. Um, but watching them as well, you, you look at this team and you think they're they're quite slow on the ball. Like there's there's just this slow tempo about them. Um, the rate of their passes isn't quick. Like. They're, they're, a, they're a powerful team running with the ball. Like once they get a little bit of space and exploiting that, they're okay with that. But I think just the way this ball moves across lines, the way it moves out wide, it's not quick and it's really easy to get back into your shape if you're if you're a good team yourself. Um, I think um, from a from a possession point of view, I don't think they actually really like the ball that much. I think you see a lot of them winning cheap fouls, just looking in in the final third, just trying to sort of go down and just react to contact and then react off a set piece it was obvious against Barnsley Barnsley would played the much more possession based movement game and Swansea couldn't cope a lot of the times but when Swansea got forward you saw that it was just running into channels turning back looking for contact and then going down and then from that set piece bringing everyone forward and it was a good time to get the midfielders around and they actually got their goal from Grimes from a set piece which I, I the more I watch that I think the keeper should just catch it I don't know why he's punched that it's just come in it just looks like he's on, he's under no challenge it's not even a really quick ball just catch it and then go <laughs> lead an yeah. attack but he punches it out and um grimes does what grimes does on the edge of the box um but yeah any, anything else of interesting before we sort of move on to brentford from swansea perspective? No, i think you kind of hit most of it i will say just in regards to kind of possession too i'm not sure if you had a chance to look at their their pass maps against barnsley but i think that's also really evident they're not particularly too too bothered about having the ball and retaining it mm. especially against a team that press as aggressively as barnsley now I'm not expecting Brentford to do that um, to the same degree, but it, it does show that they're not too hard to, to kind of disrupt in that possession game. Um, so much of the kind of balls forward were quite direct to to AU, and as well as I think not having Routledge will also play, play quite a big part. I think he was quite a, a nice addition when he came back in. It allowed them a little bit more variety, and you know, obviously, he's giving on, but he's he's someone that plays in a different style, and he he offers something to a team that was struggling to kind of 
play between those lines and be creative. He's yeah. someone that's quite happy to drift. And it's almost like Fosu for Brentford, areas. isn't it? Like they, it is very similar. No, yeah. it's very similar. Yeah, um, he's someone that just adds a little bit of a difference. And I think it's so easy now, especially with a team that's structured, to to kind of set up in these kind of three three lines, and they don't really have a cohesive way of getting forward because the players are quite rigid. You're being quite defensive, you might try and carry that ball, but then you, you end up just kind of matching up the opposition in terms of personnel, and there's not really many players exploiting that space. When you do bring in someone like Fosu or, or Routledge, it's become so evident what was missed before, and it just gives you some different options. Now, without him, maybe that is difficult to come back from, and, and you kind of take a little bit of a step back. So it would be interesting to see, but I do think that's a real big, real big blow for them. Yeah, it's 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 really like handicapping them at an area that was kind of making them a little bit more effective. Uh, but yeah, you're right on the pass maps. It was just, it's it's weird to see a team like this. <laughs> it's almost taking us back to like, maybe like even a Huddersfield from a few years ago. But even they were better on the ball than this. Like um, You can look at the network. There's nothing between Gurhi and Cabango. Like, that's not even a route we're looking at here. There's no point wasting the time with the ball at that area. I think for me, if you're talking about a team that's looking to build up and have a bit of possession, it's always a red flag if there's less than five passes between the centre-backs. Like That's just that's something that for a lot of teams... I mean, possession isn't everything, but in, in a game again, a game, a game against Barnes that you you want to try and counter that a little bit by playing out of some situations and taking a few risks. And obviously they weren't doing so, but I just think it says a lot to their mentality. I mean, you can get five passes between your centre-backs in the first 10 minutes of a game on <laughs> enough <laughs> occasions, but this is one where they're just not, they're not too worried about having the ball and they're not trying to do so. Um, it's just kind of an indicator that they, they are happy to sit without and they're not trying to play to the back. They're happy to play those play those wide balls a little bit earlier and I think their strongest network was between between Woodman and, and Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And low in that game, or I believe it might have been Norton and AU, but it, it does show kind of their roots forward and it's just very different to a lot of teams that often make it to this this stage of the playoffs. Yeah, it, it's, it's strange to see. I mean, it's got, again, it has got them quite far, but... Yeah, just to, to see no, to see no like sort of passing system between that back line just shows their their style. They want to get it forward early, and when they do get it forward, they just want to get numbers around or let that let that person's individual talent like win them something or let them build up the pitch by drawing a foul. And it's it's going to be interesting because this is the sort of those attacks are why Brentford are so effective. Because if you if you don't get numbers forward against Brentford, it's easy for them to because they're just such a good defensive team that they're, they're always going to have a you're rarely going to get one on ones unless you are exceptional at getting the ball forward really quickly or you you can you can sort of draw a bit of skill in the centre and like pull a few players out of position. It, it takes a little bit more, and I, I can't see from on the evidence of the Barnsley match that there was much attacking impetus. I mean, they got their goal from a set piece, which is what they probably are looking for. But in open play, it was it's another poor display. I, th- I think there was a moment where RU was, I think he was trying to G up the crowd for winning a throw-in at one point, um, which is just, it kind of just speaks to that tenacity and that, that that's what they want to, those individual moments of winning like a 50-50 duel just winning a ball going out for a throw is is kind of what they're looking at it's not like a shot it's not like a good effort or creating a good chance it's just those just those working hard moments which the better teams or the teams that are more on the front foot kind of just absorb into their game and just keep going so yeah yeah it was, it was a good conversation I think it's definitely worth listening to and by no means writing Swansea off and as a negative team I think there's a lot of positives to draw that they're, they're a physical strong side but um, and you can't write them off at all because it is no. it is a single game, isn't it? And it could be it could be an own it, basically against Swansea. If if they can scrape a goal, anything can happen. They can win that game. And with the occasion that it is, and there's always the opportunities for them. They have quality in those four positions if, when they get the ball to them. And set pieces, they can be strong too. Like there are opportunities for them to score, even if it's not probably not going to be three nil, even two nil, four nil, but. If they do get that one goal, whether it be from anything a penalty, you, you know who knows that can be enough, and it can be difficult to break down. I think, I, I think it'd be it'd be crazy to write them off. They're definitely the underdogs, but they're by no means kind of out of the game from the off. No, no, definitely not. I think um, what was coming clear from the chat as well was that it's maybe a bit unfortunately, but I think the style of Swansea is they haven't come out on top of some of these games, but they have. These games have been tight and they've been close, and I think there is an. I, I, I alluded to Ben that um, Bournemouth's game plan was probably the wrong plan. It wasn't. They couldn't really execute the right plan, like a plan that maybe a Millwall or Birmingham or even Swansea have done in the past, like just soaking up pressure, sitting deep, and then picking off your moments and then um, exploiting those. Whereas Bournemouth were kind of caught in between the two and doing something that didn't suit their own skin. Um, the Swansea matchup and the Swansea team with Routledge out of the side now probably gives them a chance to move even further back into how they probably liked to before with um, with Roberts coming in I think that was the key point Roberts has probably missed out a little bit just because of Norton sitting in that right back position but he should he probably looking at the most likely lineups he'll come in now um, which maybe puts them back into a f- they'll probably sit in a bit more of a f- back five with him not pushing on but he w- he will get up and down I guess he'll tr- try and use his pace and physicality and just push Canos back on that on that left um, 
So it's going to be an interesting matchup. It's by no means easy to call. It's 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 going to be a tight game. Uh, I'd say it's a low. It's going to be a low scoring game, isn't it? Grueling, like all these games are. There's never really, unless um, unless Brentford hit the heights early on. But we've spoken a bit about um, the Bournemouth tie, a bit about Swansea. I think it's I think it's good to move on to Brentford. So before we coming on air, I, I'd mentioned that we probably came to the same conclusion that this tie it's as much as there's two teams and it's 50-50 from the outset and but you're looking at this the impetus has to be around Brentford it's about how Brentford approach this game it's going to be about finishing quality it's going to be about taking chances um territory dominance like all, all of these things it's, it's Brentford's game to exert their style and their 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 ability onto Swansea would you um would you agree on that oh, 100% yeah i think it's really a case of how how well can can Brentford implement what they do on a week-to-week basis in the Championship and, and put that into this kind of big occasion, this one-off game? Can you continue? Because I do think strongly, if you continue with that style of play, if you're able just to kind of translate that into this one-off occasion, I do think you'll win the game. Um, it's just a case of, I, I think when it comes to playoff football, that, that playoff final, so many teams look like a different team in that final. Things kind of crumble and you see a few moments of, of what they normally are, but the occasion can get to teams. And I think if you can minimise that as much as possible and, and, and really kind of make... I think these players need to make their world pretty small and just think and, and kind of allow this game to just be another game. Otherwise, it's going to be... It, it can it can get the better of you, but you have the ability to, to continue with that. That style of play and win this game, it's just... It'd be interesting to see, but I do think that if any team were able to do that right now, I'd say it's Brentford with the experience they've had in previous playoff situations and over the course of this season, I think there's just been enough enough little markers that have kind of come along the way which make me feel that they'll be able to go there and, and play their style. I think if we think a bit more maybe technical about it now, like Swansea, they're gonna sit most of this game in their defensive phase. They're gonna be um they're gonna try and be compact. I think they're gonna have a lot of their own players in their own half. Um uh the back to the back pairing and probably Norton tucking in and Bidwell even coming probably quite narrow as well are going to be really close to their own goal. They're going to try and they're going to try and limit that space in behind. There's not going to be much of that. Um, they're going to try and block, prevent crosses coming in. It's yeah, it's just pure defensive phase, isn't it? And then what they're going to try and do if they do turn the ball over is either get it forward really quickly where defenders like Janssen, Pont, um, Janssen Pinnock or or Dalsgaard, who I think is going to get the nod as well, will probably. Have they just lost concentration? Have they sort of forgotten about their man slightly? Or have they got 1v1 gambling, just bringing an extra body forward to help attack? And so once you'll try and hit low or, or are you early, just try and give them moments. So yeah. sat defensively for a long time. And I think what it's going to come down to is it probably just, I guess it is always weak links anyway, but can... Is is one of them going to be? Is the one going to be susceptible? Susceptible, basically. Are they are they going to make a mistake? Norton's done a couple in the, in the previous games. Um, got caught out of position, and I think in the first game when there was a cutback to Tony, just lost Tony a little bit on the back post. Um, got sent off in another match. Um, got rolled a little bit on halfway, similar to not sim- not exactly the same as the Mepham movement, but it was a good crossfield ball which caught him out of position, and then he was. He was um, caught on the wrong side. Actually, more like Pontus's moment at, with um, Dan Juma a few mm. games ago. Um, so maybe they'll look to expose him a little bit. But, but from Brentford, if we assume that um, Frank goes again with Mbomo and Tony up front, um, the type of movements they're wanting to look for is they, they just want to get in. One of them will want to get in behind of the two forwards, like just test them 1v1, like test them for pace 
test them for tackles like those last ditch ones just just ex- try and expose them a little bit I think I don't know how much change they're going to get about out of Gerhi and Cabango because they are competent defenders but you just have to keep asking questions with them in behind that's that's the first approach I guess from the first line just try and make sure and they're going to try and prevent that space but you just try and have to look and just make sure they're just slightly awkward or pushed out of position a little bit yeah I think also too I think when, when a team are happy to play that deep I don't think you necessarily have to to look to play in behind either. I think you can play in front of them a little bit and, and try and work that space a little bit more patiently. Um, if you can get some balls in from wide areas, kind of get to that byline regularly, um, even if they have got players in the box. I think your forwards are kind of active enough in the penalty area to find space. Um, I don't think it's necessarily be one of those games you have to kind of be looking to, to slip players in behind. Um, I think you've got the quality to probe a little bit more, which is you know somewhat of a weakness for Swansea because they want to. It, not many teams in the league uh, are capable of breaking down a team that sits back as rigidly as Swansea do with the quality they have in defence. That that's it's hard to come by those teams that are kind of they are strong enough in those forward areas to break them down in a different way. But I think if you're looking at ones that are, I'd say Brentford are up there. It really comes down to the, the, the selection. I think it'd be an interesting one because there, there is an argument for bringing Force back in for this one too. Um, but mm. after the success that, that Mbwemo had against uh, against a team that did look to sit back a little bit deeper, maybe kind of going to be going with that call. But I also think that Swansea are considerably better at doing so than Brentford. So it, it's a tough one. It's definitely going to be an interesting decision. But I do think there are routes to go um, for you on on the weekend for sure yeah it's it's actually interesting you brought that up I'm I think because of I think they're very different teams in how they defend but I think because of how successful Mbama was against Bournemouth and how Force made a good impact from the as a substitution coming in um, I, I think team styles and the fact that Swansea are going to be a bit more deeper and chances might be you want a cleaner contact on a first-time strike, which is what force offers compared to Mbemo. Mbemo, obviously, I was talking about him trying to just be on the shoulder a bit more, just test them that way. Um, if yeah. balls are coming into the box and you want that cleaner contact, it's force is the one that strikes it a lot better and is a bit more accurate in his finishing. But I, I just think some of Mbemo's movement was really impressive and I, I think force can get a little bit lost in these big games, whereas I think Mbemo, especially centrally, just... A little bit more livelier, a little bit more off the cuff, a little bit more just sort of angles on his runs that are not so easy to detect. Um, so really what they want is they want a hybrid of Mbemo and Force to start alongside Tony, but he's got to choose one of them. I I, I think he will go for Mbemo to start with, but what do you think, I, Force? I do think if you're, if you're playing against a team that's rigid, I think they're the undoing of them them sorts of teams is often just chaos in forward lines and I think someone like Mbemo who's got that he's got that burst of acceleration he's got that low centre of gravity he's an awkward player to play against even if it's somewhat unconventional and somewhat ineffective at times in terms of direct production he's someone that's difficult to mark and I think if he it just kind of throws a little bit of a curveball into a team that wants to be structured because it's it's hard to play structured against someone that's unpredictable um, I think maybe you, the worry would force would be that he'd come in there and just be an easy body to kind of stay tight to and, and not allow much mm. space he's not someone that's necessarily going to hurt you if he does drift off a little bit deeper and he's not going to kind of run at you in the same capacity so I think it probably will be in Bremo but I do think there's an argument for force it just depends on Kind of how you want to approach it, but I think mobility is always a kind of Achilles' heel to them sort of them sort of deeper lying teams, and also fluidity in, in in structure too. I think if you have players that can overload specific sides, that can, happy to play in wide areas too, 
it, it makes it difficult for a team that's also rigid defensively because they're not going to be necessarily so quick to to throw numbers into into different positions and and kind of help compensate for that threat because like, they don't want to lose that shape. Um, if you can find ways to just to make it awkward for them, um, I, I, as I said, Bournemouth aren't as good at doing so. But you you, will, you would do a good job of finding ways to do that against them. It's now trying to do that in a, in a bigger stage against a team that are better at doing that. Um, there's there's definitely somewhat of a there's somewhat of a game plan there, kind of a blueprint we've seen from previous matches you've had to to find ways of doing that. Yeah, I reckon it's um I think it's time to start going through the team and um, maybe looking at where where I think um, they'll go in the starting eleven, and maybe if you agree or disagree or if there's something you'd do slightly differently. Um, we'll, go from, we'll go from back to front. I think Reyes obviously going to start in goal. I think the defensive line throws up a little bit of a question mark on um, whether they continue with Norgar back there. He, he was obviously injured in the first match. I, I haven't seen an update on his fitness. Let's say he's 50-50. Um, I'd, I think with such a defensive team, you probably want an extra. You want someone like that stepping out and being a bit more positive on the ball. But I, I think what I'd do is I'd go without him. I just I'd think of him as maybe something in the latter part of the game. I'd go with who is fit and who's coming into this game, and we know that Dalsgaard's okay. So I go with the back three of Dalsgaard, Janssen central, and Pinnock on the left. Um, that would be my choice. I, I like Dalsgaard at that right centre back position a little bit just very much like that drive, push and drive player. Like if there's a little bit of space, he can just progress the ball, get you up 40 yards quickly. If um, if he's not being marked tightly, good at, good at one two, just bringing the ball in, coming inside as well, dropping his shoulder. And be really allows Janssen in that central position too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely gets him away from that. I think he's a, I think he's a better defender around on that touchline as well. Um, a little bit quicker as well. And just a, just an experienced defender, just another good number to have defending set pieces too so I, I think he'll get the nod on that right centre-back position just suits that right back centre-back three position much better than um, Janssen does uh, gets Janssen into the middle just to do what he does patrol that area not maybe come out so much and and Pinnock on the left um, moving a bit forward though onto the wing-back position so Henry is I think that's confirmed he's ruled out so he won't feature in this tie unless there's something drastic like a real curveball that comes in but I think that allows Canos to just be fully be fully told that it's left wing back for you. I think, yeah. So I should have said that. I think they're going to stick with this three five two. I don't think there's any deviation away from that. So so Canos out on that left wing back position. Um, I, I think we've seen positive things over him from him from the last few games. Just uh, a tenacity to defend. Just well timed tackles. Energy getting up and down. Formed a quite a good partnership actually with Pinnock on that side and. Um, maybe Yanelt as well drifting out defensively like it's it's a solid area around there there's not going to be much that if Roberts does get forward he's going to have to work hard to get any space to get crosses but what what do you think do you think that's a given you like that Canos out on that side I think it has to be I think all things considered that's kind of where you're going and I don't know I, I think Canos has his issues but I, I do think that he I do say men like his approach to games I think it does quite suit this sort of competition and I think he's one that you feel pretty comfortable playing in there, and he's got some experience playing that position now. And it's kind of the only option, but I don't feel I don't feel terrible about it. I think it's, it's it should be something that works out reasonably well for you. Yeah, he's got a bit of experience there now. I think um, I think his energy's good. I think his his focus is good. He 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 doesn't really get probably gets underappreciated a little bit because he's just been there so long now and not quite as flary as others, and his shooting's wild, but. 
energy wise and sort of application he's this is what you want in a final match isn't it exactly I think there are times where I think his I think criticism of Canos is probably easier thrown at him over the course of the season where you want a little bit more from him consistently offensively as he says shooting can be a bit wild it can be a bit bit all over the place but I think in this game energy and application is going to be so important and I think he'll give you that I think undoubtedly he'll give you that okay moving in well moving in field a little bit more then we've got uh, I think the nod's going to be given to Janelt and Janssen uh, sorry Janssen um, those two starting centrally um, I think that's the best pairing um, Norgar's probably quite unfortunate that he's to get into the team I think they've got to sort of do a deviation in shape slightly I think the the pairing of Janelt and um uh, Jensen is is good complementary wise. I think you know holds his position a little bit more when Jensen tries to rotate into other positions. But then also uh, Jensen can hold if Janelt moves a little bit forward. I think there's a good relationship between those two, and they've basically dragged Brentford through some rocky times whilst Norgard has been injured. And almost there's almost a little bit of uh, is Norgard disrupting that a little bit? Like unless he's in that back line. Um, is there a place for him? Because obviously another body's needed further forward. So I think those two in central midfield, out on the right wing back position, um, bit of a choice here. I think um, when you're down, when you're playing a team down to ten men, it's obviously it's obviously the opportunity to bring in an attacking minded player like Mbemo to play on that wing or something like that. But from the outset, I think Roslev is going to get the nod here, and that's my I'm sneaking towards that. I think, but Frank would be very bold to play both of his cards of Mbemo and Canos at the same time from the outset. I think um, he'll want a little bit more um, of Roslev just defensively, just to get through the first section of the games in case this is going to go the full the full distance. What do, what do you think about that right wing back position? I think it. I think I completely agree. I think it has to be Roslev for me. I think I think he just gives you that balance and he gives you that structure and. I just don't see the need to change it. I think he's good enough on the ball too. He can play into midfield. He can play a little bit forward. He's not maybe give you that that burst down the right that Mbemo would be able to. But I mean, we'll get onto this in a second. But I think it also comes down to the fact that you could be wanting to play Mbemo in that further that further forward position up up front next to Tony as well. Um, I just think it gives you the best balance to that team, and you can make changes. I mean, you could even allow the left side to be a little bit more forward thinking if you want to give Canvas a little bit more freedom and. And Ross Lev can kind of compensate for that on the right, but I don't think you want to change that at this point. I think he's kind of the one you want to be starting in that right wing back position for this one. Mm, yeah, I think his right foot as well offers a nice bit of balance on that right side. Like I think it, it does, can be yeah. too inverted, like Mbemo coming in on his left, Canos um, coming in on his right as well. You can lose a little bit of that width, even though Mbemo in the last few games did you saw him on the touchline like, hugging and creating width well when they were down to 10 men Bournemouth but um, yeah. I, I think that like that first time right footed cross or that first time right footed pass with someone who is naturally right footed out there is quite effective and I think that when you um, when you play such as a, a rigid defensive team you you can't really have unbalanced parts of your team because it slows down ball progression it slows down how quickly you move the ball around like if they're having to yeah. just cut back onto their onto their stronger foot which is the opposite to the wing they're playing so yeah I, I'm thinking they'll go Ryerslev as well I think that's um, that's that's a move I'd make um, injury permitting um, we're moving into the the new Brentford number 10 attacking midfield role which is was much asked for and it's come about um, the toss up here is it's Marcondes v Fossu um, what do you I'll let, I'll let you go and then we'll maybe talk about a little bit of um, the, the benefits of each one and maybe why why we go for the ones we go, but who would you choose? This is probably the toughest one for me. Um, I think I would, I think I'd probably go Fosso in this one, actually. Yeah, interesting. Uh, 
again, I want I want that movement. I want that ability to to, to stretch Swansea a little bit more and just make it harder to predict the the kind of shape of Brentford and, and, and where that attack's going to come from. I think Fossey is someone as well that kind of compensates quite well in them wide areas. If, if Roslov is playing and you maybe want a little bit more threat down them wings, he's someone that can drift into those positions and, and kind of help help attack from that side, whether it's the right or left. He's just someone that can cover the ground really well. And as I said, it's a tough decision, but I think on the day I'd probably lean towards that one. But honestly, it's hard to... It's hard to criticise either decision. I think they've both kind of earned this spot in, in, in different ways. Yeah, it is. It's a tough call, isn't it? Um, yeah. There's no way you could play both, really, is there? No, no. I, w- I mean, there's been times in the past where they've been fudged into teams. and I, Not in this shape. I think it's one or the other in this shape. Um, yeah, I, I think you've just got could to Could you ask- play Marcondos further forward? Yeah, yeah, Marcondos could play further forward. I think, though, you'd want someone quicker. I think in your forward line, wouldn't you? You'd want a little bit more driving yeah. with the ball um yeah I, the difficulty i think you just got to look at their strengths like they there there are some respects they're similar players but i think with fossu it's more like that left to right movement it's more like that uh, sort of in between the lines like picking it up and then taking a couple yeah. of touches and using like using him as kind of an advanced pivot whereas marconda is a little bit more there's that desperation to get towards goal like there's that understanding that you're not going to score maybe where you are you need to move forward or get into a better position I think there's just a little bit of a, a more aggressive player in in his positioning and we saw that for the goal I, I don't think Fossey may have made that movement but the goal against Bournemouth which four scored in the end it was Marcondes that broke through and uh, pushed forward and took it first time on his left and it's it's almost like the type of movement you're begging for in this game because it's going to be you're going to come up against a set team you can't you almost can't be just going left and right. You need to be going forward and back as well. And I, th- I think Fosu, if that's what he's guilty of, I think it's just probably breaking beyond Force and Tony or that front line just to um, just to be the furthest forward. So I do say that. I think in contrast to that too, that one of my concerns would be with Swansea. If you are playing that that system with wing backs and they're playing that four three three, they should be able to contain those. If they decide to allocate those players to those positions, they should be able to contain your wing backs fairly easily. I would worry that those those fullbacks for for Swansea would be able to tuck in quite narrow and sit quite deep if you don't have that wide threat at all. I know Mbemo can mm. can drift wide a little bit too, but I, I would quite like the variety of um, the variety of runs that that Foster would add. I think would be quite could mm. be quite beneficial. But I think what we need to see with with Foster would be a little bit more balanced. If he could if he could maybe in, incorporate a few more a few more central positional runs and be a little bit more vertical in his, his kind of forward runs yeah. there too, give that give that kind of a little bit more variety to his game, that would be useful. But I, I would be concerned about about that back four of, of Swansea being very compact and very very narrow because I don't think they're going to be forced out wide too, too often. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one for him to call. I think both, as you were saying, both have their benefits. Um, similar players in some respects. But I'd from the outset, I think I'd go... I think I'd go Marcondes. So there's just something that... Is just shoving me towards him a little bit. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd pick Marcondes and I'd let Fossu come in a bit later in the game if it needed it or or as as extra time permits. Um, so yeah, probably the first time we've had a little bit of a, a maybe a little bit of favouring for one or the other. But um, let's move yeah. into the forward line now. I think it just says how difficult that that is, isn't it? Just trying to show yeah. us how it is tough, isn't way. it? <laughs> it's really tough. Um, yeah. But yeah, the forward lines. I think the last. Um, Almost like the most important um, important part of the pitch. What do you? What's your pairing? Obviously, Tony 
Tony takes um, takes one of the spots. What would you do for the second? I, I think it has to be Embremo for me. I think just based on that last game and and the sort of team you're playing, I want to see that mobility in the forward line. Um, I like. I like his burst of, of pace. I like I like his his body shape. He's able to get low to the ground and, and move quite fluidly. He can be a little bit erratic at times, and he can he can be frustrating. But I I just do think it will cause problems to that Swansea back line more so than Force, who I'm assuming is the other option. Really, we're talking about here. Um, mm. I, I just fancy Mbomo in that in that position in this one. And yeah, I, I think I agree as well. I think um, I think Force looked good off the bench. I think. Um, a little bit of accuracy later on with some maybe if there are chances and teams are getting tired and the ball comes in sweeter finisher better striker of the ball um, I think he could play an important part later on and yeah uh, I'd go for it's not a criticism of force either is it it's no, just the no, fact that definitely not it, it just suits the, the current system you're playing and the t- opposition you're playing against it just I don't want to see that I don't want to see your forward two up against up against Swansea centre-backs I want to see a little bit more variety there and I just think he offers that Mm, yeah, I think that's why we're probably both leaning that way because he got he got a little bit gobbled up by the game against Bournemouth. Like he just sort of disappeared into a vacuum of that back line, and there wasn't enough confidence or intelligence to move into other positions to get the ball. Whereas I think Mbemo is a little bit more, just a little bit more understanding of playing a little bit further back, and maybe a little bit more understanding of his midfield requirements and, and getting on the ball in earlier phases of the game. So uh, yeah, I, I'd be going. Uh, and Bomo and Tony for my starting pair as well. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah, I'm with you. It's um, I think that's it. So yeah, I I don't know what else to say about the game. I think um, it's nerve wracking. It's it's going to be tactical. It's going to be um, it's going to be grueling, isn't it? Like unless there's a couple of early goals which which completely change the mindset of Swansea's out, um, Swansea Swansea's plan from the outset. It's it's going to be a tight game and it's it's going to be a couple of really small mistakes that cost one of these teams. Um, yeah, I, I think we'll leave it there. Jordan, it's been brilliant to chat to you again. Um, any last thoughts? No, I think we've pretty much covered everything now. You've done over two podcasts or so, so you seem pretty prepared for this final. And I think we've, uh, <laughs> we've covered most of the territory we can. So yeah, no, just, just looking forward to the game and uh, good luck in the final. Hope to be able to cover some more Brentford Watford stuff in the Premier League oh gosh yeah let's not well that'd be awesome wouldn't it that's the ideal scenario we're chatting again next season in the same league gosh but um we won't dwell on that too much with them we'll leave that as an afterthought but yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it too I think everyone is it's it's it feels like um it feels like a little bit of a, a grudge match like um who, whoever wins this is going to be out of the, we, we're not going to be in the championship next season which is bizarre like we've both been in the league for so long now um one team's going to going to get to the promised land and um yeah can't wait to find out but yeah just want to say thank you to jordan um these have been awesome just chatting to him getting his insight as well um to follow him on twitter jordan your address is yes at jordan weimer uh, or watford analytics and yeah come over and follow if you're interested in hearing some watford stuff and hopefully some watford brentford stuff in the in the future when we're talking about these games coming up next year next season that would be ideal um yeah thanks again for having me david really enjoyed it oh not a problem at all and on that note um all i can say is yeah best of luck to swansea even more luck to brentford and one of us is going to be in the premier league best of luck bees
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.